eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome in to another edition of the Day After Podcast. this live so if anybody sneaks in while we're doing it welcome in you guys are hardcore you're about hard, more hardcore than i am jason staples and i were talking off the air um very little sleep going around here buck's got his hourglass i might need an alarm clock to wake me up if y'all talk too long buck you and i've seen a lot of carolina duke games and i want to say that that one surprised me last night um i've seen a lot of games where I can't believe Carolina lost. Well, quite frankly, Buck, I can't believe Carolina won that game last night. Your take? Yeah, it's certainly the kind of game they can lose pretty easily. Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, this week about the uh, 2016 game. Uh, but the one that I remember was from 2012. Um, and uh, Bryn Renner was quarterback, had Geo. Uh, it was 2012. It was uh, Fedora's first year. They had a pretty good defense. And they went over there, and it Duke seemed to run for seven yards every time they touched the ball, which they actually did last night. They averaged 7.1 yards per carry. but So they did it for real last night. Um, it, strangest things happened over in Durham. The, um, you know, the Shaq Rashad. Um, almost killing a player running out on the field, um, you know, all of that. It, it's just uh, amazing the things that can go on over there, and it's particularly at night. So uh, it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that it went down to the way it did. I, and I actually, I didn't think they were going to win either. Uh, well, I was watching it with my lovely wife, Trish, and, uh, after they had the ball down near the goal line, well, it was around the 11-yard line, I think. And Duke actually threw the touchdown, and they got called back um, for illegal shift down there in the fourth quarter with minutes left to go. Um, I told her then, when he caught that pass in the end zone, it's over. North Carolina's losing this game. It's, they can't come back from this. And then, flag. Um, and then another flag, and then a sack, maybe, and then they missed the field goal. So I think the football gods were smiling on North Carolina last night, not necessarily smiling on its fans watching it, but they were smiling on the team. Um, and Mac Brown's post-game uh, post conference, the look on his face almost said, we got away with one here. We, we stole one on the road. So, um, you know, that's just the way things go over in Durham. You, you nailed it right there. Um, I, I feel like sometimes watching Carolina football, especially in games like this, they're trying to kill off all the fans. Um, 
with the play, Jason. Almost worked last night. <laughs> it, it was hectic in that stadium, too. I, I, I'll say this out of the gate. I give Duke props on their game production. I, you can talk about the football game y'all you want, but the, the lights, the, the the board, the music, all that stuff, they, folks in Chapel Hill could learn a little bit about game production. Anyway, I digress. That's my soapbox. Jason, you play to win the game, and Carolina somehow won it. Your overall thoughts before we try to dig into some of these details. Well, my first thought is that they need to they whatever what whoever made the decision on uh, that particular uniform combination, they need to they need to mothball those. I like those lids and all, even though it does kind of look like they got kicked in the head. Uh, I like the you know the lids are fine, but they gotta they gotta have some something that makes them distinctively Carolina on the field. So that's just something unrelated to the rest of the stuff but i kept looking you'd like you'd like the blue 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 look right the helmets and blue tops and blue bottoms well i mean yeah i mean that's fine with me but but you know i, I would have liked that that chrome lid white with blue pants you know just just have it so that when i look at the screen and i'm I, you know before i went back and had to watch this a second time last night uh you know i was watching two games at once and when i'd look over half the time i'd be like which team is which again <laughs> that shouldn't happen. So, um, you know, lean into what, lean into the, into what makes the brand specific. Uh, but anyway, uh, beyond that, like you said, you play to win the game. They found ways down the stretch to, to make it happen. Really to me, this game boiled down to the turnovers really changing this game. That that's where, you know, the two fumbles lost, that that was really killer. Uh, and, you know, that it wasn't just that they, that they got those turnovers, it was the timing of those turnovers. Because, I mean, turnover margin was zero. But the timing of those turnovers, when, when, when they had them, really, really changed some things. And there were some situational things that happened in this game where I think Carolina was in position to blow this game open a couple times and just found a way to kind of trip over itself and then didn't get it done. And then Duke sees those opportunities. And, you know, that's the thing. You play a good offense, and they are a good offense. You play a, a quality quarterback, and they got opportunistic, and Carolina had to sort of hang on in a game where they really could have run and hid I mean, they were in position, you know, they going going in, they were in position to go up 17 points. And then all of a sudden, just a couple little things that didn't go right. And then a few plays later, it's three points. And then you turn it over going in. And all of a sudden, you go from being up 10 with the ball go on their side of the 50 to suddenly you're down four points that that to me was was really a, a wild sort of section of that game and again I think it comes down to just not being able to stack enough together to really blow this game open and change what Duke had to do yeah you I mean it's it's lose big Lose small, win small, but Carolina's right in the sweet spot of winning small. But let's talk a little bit about that section of the game. Uh, they have a fourth down stop, if my memory serves. And we were in the far end zone. And shout out to the Carolina folks that were there. It was pretty, pretty hyped up section. But they get a fourth down stop, and, and then they have a chance just to pound them. I didn't want them to take a shot to the end zone. I wanted just to see Carolina pound Duke and get into the end zone and push it to 17. And then they run a flea flicker or whatever, double reverse flip it back what what are, what are they doing but that that right there is was one of them look phil longo's uh, the man deserves all the money he gets paid and he's a great teacher and all that but what were you thinking when you saw that play call buck is it just me and a couple thousand people that were behind me screaming at that play call or is that were you surprised or just give me something there just agree with me if, if you <laughs> if you ask mac brown He'll say he was disappointed in that play card because he did last night at the press conference. He was, you know, they were talking about it. And he said, yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. I mean, <laughs> what were we doing there? That was crazy. You know, I think maybe he ought to have a, a little, be a little bit more in touch with what's, you know, being called on the field there. But 
you know, that's exactly what he said is that, uh, you know, I, I didn't like that, that, uh, sequence there at all. So yeah, I do agree with you, Tommy End of story. Yeah. I haven't, I fairly admit I hadn't listened to anything, um, post game. So, I Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that was thinking about that. Jason, in, in that stretch, um, Carolina goes from up 10 with the ball and I guess in the green zone, chance to go up 17. I think the game's over at that point or it's pretty close to being over. Um, and then the defense just loses their stuff. I mean, this is what's frustrating and we need to talk about it. And I promise y'all we'll have a Drake May portion of the program. But on the defense – it's got to be maddening, and I think it's ultimately on the coaches, but this they, – they did not play well in the first half. They did not play well in the fourth quarter. They played solid football in the third quarter. What is going on that the consistency is so terribly inconsistent? I mean, I if there are other teams that do it like this, I, I haven't seen them play, Jason. One of them played at the same time as Carolina last night. Um, <laughs> but – that's actually not that uncommon when you when you talk about a team that has that that's first of all in a, in, in a first year coordinator and second of all uh, you've got enough it's the best way to put this enough uh, uh, differences across the board in terms of which players are reliable on a consistent basis without we, you know, where, where, if you've got a defense where it's solid all the way across the board and you don't have any pieces that you can kind of target as an offense and, you know, those guys are just solid, you're going to have less of that. If you're in a situation where you've got some players who are not always quite as reliable play in, play out, that's what you're going to get. And all you need is one guy to make a mistake on defense. We've talked about this for years. That's that's what defense does. You have one guy that gets his eyes inside and, you know, tries to get a little over aggressive with his with 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 his assignment and all of a sudden you've got a guy running free behind him for for a long touchdown. You got a guy that takes just a little bit of the wrong angle from this spot and all of a sudden quarterback has a, a seam and goes for 70 yards it was the big plays that that really killed him and it's you know one guy here you know one guy here two guys there just not quite being in the right spot and it's the lack of consistency on that that's really killing him and then you combine that with they're still not making I mean I think they've made a, a, a some strides on the defensive line but they're still not affecting the game as much as you'd like to see with getting guys in the backfield and getting penetration and really wrecking shop to to force the offense to do some different things they're 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 still allowing offenses to dictate up front and that's the other time that you're going to get some of that in uh, inconsistency you're you're when you're doing a lot of reacting instead of dictating then when the offense is able to kind of find the right button to push then you're a, a step slow. So I think it's all of those things. And, you know, again, against a well-coordinated and offense with a good quarterback, you're going to, you also are going to have times where, you know, you tip your cap too. So that is what it is. The bottom line is you, you did enough to win the football game and, you know, you, you go back and you try to learn and, and, and get a little better the next week. Buck, I thought Carolina got pushed around on the line of scrimmage, uh, defensive line of scrimmage, uh, as bad as Notre Dame pushed them around. Uh, I mean, and it certainly looked that way in person at times. I mean, Duke had things, but the defense, and I want to get your take on what Jason just talked about, the inconsistency is maddening. And then the tackling, um, and then the flag tackling, or, or the, the fo uh, flag football tackling. I mean – couple guys made some business decisions in certain cases where you if you watch the replay it's like dude you you got to actually decide to make a tackle here instead of pulling pulling off in some ways that really hurt the hurt this football team and I'll tell you what if I'm coaching that's definitely going to be brought up in 
some specific ways with some consequences. Yeah, that the question is, what will those consequences be and how they handle it? But, Buck, um, your thought on the physicality of the game. I thought, I thought Duke was more physical, to be honest. I could be wrong, but it certainly looked that way in person. How did it play out on the TV? Well, I, I wouldn't say that uh, there's much comparison between uh, the physicality and particularly the – with the horses to impose that physicality between Notre Dame and Duke, that, that comparison is a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the, uh, the players themselves though. No, the players themselves. I agree. The talent level there is, is drastically different, but what I saw on the field, I didn't think was too, too much terribly different. Yeah. Well, I, instead of blaming the physicality, I, I'd go back to what Jason said about big plays. Uh, North Carolina does an excellent job of winning when they win the big plays. When they win explosive plays, they, they win the game about, I forget the stat now, it's 80% of the time. It's very high. Um, and it is for most teams, but UNC probably more than most. Um, Duke got had eight more, had eight passing plays of over 15 yards. North Carolina only had seven. And now this is a team with Drake May, Josh Downs, Antoine Green, those guys. And Duke had more big passing plays, plays of more than 15 yards than North Carolina did. Rushing, as you might would guess, because they got three bills worth of uh, rushing offense, they had nine rushing plays of 10 yards or more. Um, and including well, they, a 74 yarder, uh, a 38 yarder, they had some big plays. Go ahead, they, Jason. They had, you said they had over three bills in rushing. 206 of that is on nine plays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So it, when I think about getting beaten by a team, uh, or they were more physical. Um, typically, I, and I may be thinking about this wrong, be honest, but I think about a team that uh, was more like the 2012 Duke team because you know those guys, they ran the ball I don't know how many times. They had, it ended up with a lot of rushing yards. But it just seemed like every time they ran the ball for seven yards, they didn't run it for much further than that. But they get about seven yards all the time. They were pushing North Carolina off the ball. The the back would get what he could get, and they'd go to the next down. I, I didn't really think it was so much of a physicality problem. I, I think their offensive coordinator, Kevin Johns, over there is pretty good. Um, and I, I think the play calls that they put in place, obviously I think they've had this game circled on their calendar for a while. Um, and I think they've been preparing for this kind of game against North Carolina for a while. So, you know, for me, I think it was the the big plays that made the difference that Jason alluded to. And, and, you know, if North Carolina, I mean, if Duke was a little bit more physical in some circumstances, you know, maybe I could be convinced of that, but, um, you know, for the most part, for me, I think, uh, boil down to the big plays. Yep, Duke had 17 big plays, like you mentioned, for 373 yards of their total. Um, they were chunking it up on Carolina. Jason, a question from the chat and also a question I wanted to ask. It seemed like the roster – not the roster, but the snap counts from the Carolina-Duke game, um, fewer guys played. They didn't rotate as many guys. Um, was that noticeable? Or is it just, you know, they're thinning it down because they had to have those guys out there? Uh, I mean, they didn't play – they played a lot on the defensive line. Did did you see – and I'm going to do this too. Travis Shaw was a beast. That dude was jacked on the sidelines. He was jacked in the game. What did you see as far as the rotation there on the defensive line that maybe surprised you or maybe didn't? I wasn't really surprised by anything. I, I think – the thing you have to remember is one of the reasons that they played so many defensive line against Miami is that Miami plays bigger personnel and, you know, they're, they're set up to run the football, you know, from, 
you know, tight and two tight end kind of thing. A lot of, a, a lot of that stuff. And when Miami went big, they, they subbed more, uh, you know, Duke spreads you out a little bit more and runs out of that. I mean, they, again, Kevin Johns, we talked about this on the, on the, um, on the WCHL segment, Kevin Johns is a, you know, he's a Mike Norvell uh, protege and you know what, what they did offensively, what Duke did was very similar to what Florida state had done the last two years. I mean, the, the game plans were very similar and actually Riley Leonard looked a lot. I mean, where number 13 looked a lot like Jordan Travis, only a better thrower a number of times in this game. I mean, in terms of some of the runs that he had, you could have easily swapped out jerseys and, and said, oh, wow, you know, that's the same thing. And similar results from the last couple of years in, in a lot of the run game stuff that they did. Uh, but Duke runs a lot of different stuff in terms of run game. I mean, that's, that's sort of that, that coaching tree's hallmark. Uh, they're going to run a lot of different looks at you in the run game. And I think they, they went with the defensive front, the guys in the defensive front, that they were confident could recognize and handle all those, all that different variation and, 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 and do all of that without slowing down. Um, so I think that was a big factor. Uh, you're just, you're looking at less of a, again, when you play a team that's more like what Miami does, you, when you're, when they're wanting to get into a phone booth, I think you're going to try to play more players. Uh, when they're, when you're playing against a team, that's a little more like, Duke that wants to get you into a, a little bit more of a track meet that calls for some different personnel. So I, I think that's more of what it was not really surprised. I think you're going to see rotation sort of loosen and tighten depending on certain games, depending on a lot of things this season. That's a good, you one. know, uh, I'd, I'd like for Jason, maybe this week when he's looking at, uh, doing his reviews and whatnot. Um, I was just looking at it and, I noticed last night um, that Cayman Rucker didn't scratch in the stats, defensive stats. And I went back and looked. I, I, I thought to myself, well, I, and I don't even remember seeing it. And um, so I went back and looked uh, at snap counts this morning. He, had, he was on the field for 33 snaps. Somehow or another, they, they did a good job of accounting for for Mr. Rucker in some way that, you know, other teams have not been able to do so. And, and maybe Jason knows off the top of his head what they were doing, but um, if he gets a chance to look at it in film film study this week, I'd like to know what were they, what were they doing to Mr. Rucker? You know, he was extraordinarily silent last night. Well, the edges in general, uh, I, I thought, I thought Duke did a really good job of handling North Carolina's edges. Uh, and they got a lot of their run run game, on the edge, you know, doing a lot of damage there, uh, reaching or, you know, blocking down on the edge and then finding ways to get guys free there. So that, that's definitely something I need to find a way to, to boil down for, for, uh, at least one of those videos this week, but yeah, they did a, they did a great job just scheming for and, and handling those edges. Yeah. If you're, if you're listening to us and you're an inside Carolina premium subscriber, which I hope everybody is, the snap counts are up on the message boards. Uh, Noah Taylor led that defensive front with 65 snaps. Cedric Gray with 74 from the linebacker position. Kelly Grimes, Duck Biggers, all 75, Boykin 70 and Will Hardy 10 and Will Hardy just, we talked about him a lot this week. He met with the press this week. Um, he just happens to be in the right place at the right time and makes a great diving catch. Jason, the defensive backfield, um, we, we talked about uh, the struggles defending the run. Um, the defensive backfield made some plays, but they also made some head scratchers. Um, what's sort of your breakdown there? I, I thought the late Duke throw to the sidelines when they were trying to get in field goal range at the end was classic cover two beater. Um, your take on, on what you saw from the defensive backfield specifically. And we talked about tackling already. Yeah. You know, I, I, I need to go back and look at that play. I don't think they were in cover two there. Um, well, it is that deep out. that's always open on Matt. Yeah. Yeah. They, they <laughs> ran a little flood there. And then, I mean, it was a, a nice concept. There's a layered, layered route where they're going to put a guy in conflict and they're going to either take the shorter out or take that one. And uh, the heck of a throw. I mean, you've got about a two foot window 
maybe maybe you know maybe a little bit bigger than that and maybe a two yard window to put that in it's a great throw but uh but yeah i mean the 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 secondary i think is aware a lot of the unevenness in terms of overall uh game flow comes from right now because like you said made some plays got into some passing lanes you know you had a near interception along the sideline on the one long throw from from grimes got his hands on it got to make that catch uh then you got the same guy who you know jumped that route looked really good doing it who gets his eyes inside and gives up a slant and go for a touchdown in a key situation i mean that kind of typifies the secondary right now where those guys are just not consistent enough in their technique, in their eye discipline, and just overall to be to be reliable. Uh, so, and you know, there there are some physical limitations back there too. I mean that that that's true at certain spots, but uh, but yeah, they've got to find a way to be more consistent and to affect the game a little bit more the more they can they can uh, communicate just a little bit better and the more they can get their eyes in the right spot, the, the more you'll see some of those uh, little mistakes tighten up. And, you know, you'll, you'll see some of those disappear if they can learn, learn to be really focused on those little things. But they're still learning back there about, you know, they're still, the accountability is still something they're, they're figuring out back there. But before we switch to the offense after the break, give me your defensive MVP. If, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Noah Taylor. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pick. Um, I, I've been impressed uh, to some extent, and, and I don't know if I would call him the player of the game, but uh, Geo Biggers has played well. Um, of, of all the guys in the secondary, um, he he really is – He's, he's not making any business decisions back there. He's, he's giving it his all on every play. So um, I'd give a shout out to Geo Biggers. And uh, Boykin's got another sack this week. So uh, you have to throw him in the mix. But, uh, you know, I, Biggers did not come. I mean, he was um, a three-star, high three-star. But in the, his years prior to this one, he's not played a great deal. He's played some. Not a lot, uh, and certainly has not had a starting role um, in the North Carolina defense. So I like what I've seen from Geo Biggers, uh, and that's the one name I would think of off the top of my head. Geo plays smart. That's the thing, and you know, just as a rule, I mean, he makes mistakes once in a while, but and, and you know, there are times where just a lack of top end speed has affected him. But Geo plays smart. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll go to battle with him. Uh, for sure. Uh, the guy that, by the way, Tommy, that sticks out and that stuck out to me was Sed Gray. I don't think you win this football game without Sed Gray. Uh, there, there were a couple drives there where basically Sed Gray was the reason they they got stops. And, you know, the first drive of the, of the second half, he he came out and he made a couple plays on that drive that stopped that drive. And that 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 changed the game there. So I think that's 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 my guy on that. That said, I'd throw in that uh, Power Eccles led the team in tackles, so he was in on quite a few tackles. Uh, Ra Ra Dilworth played last night, which is encouraging because uh, he's been out hurt. Um, but you know, the the thing before we move on to the offense, if I can say this, close up. What's really frustrating, and and what really has. Um, North Carolina fans, um, you know, having life ending thoughts is, uh, the, uh, incredible, um, difference between they are capable of playing really good defense on that fourth down. They got another goal line stand. Uh, they had two fourth down stops. Um, you know, they, they are very, are capable of playing really good defense. And then all of a sudden they forget who they are or, you know, for whatever reason, they lose their minds. And, and I think that's what drives North Carolina fans crazy is that they see that they're capable of doing, of playing well, and they should be. There's a lot of talented players on that side of the ball. 
but for whatever reason, they have not put it together yet. And to be honest with you, I have lost confidence that that's going to happen this year. They may improve some, the bye week may help a little, but I think right now we kind of have to decide they are who they've shown us they are. You know, when somebody shows you who they are, you're supposed to believe them. So um, I think that's just the way it is. Yep, definitely a maddening bunch. I mean, come up and make huge plays, and then the next play or the next drive, it's like it's not the same guys out there. Um, but it sort of is what it is, like you said, with Carolina defense at this point. It's still 6-1. and one. We're going to take a short break, talk about Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of the podcast, sponsors of Inside Carolina, and friends of you, the Inside Carolina premium subscriber. Get all the gear you need. I saw a lot of Johnny T-Shirt gear in Wally Wade Stadium last night, um, and they – the, the people that were wearing it were smart to use that 10% being an Inside Carolina premium subscriber. So take care of Johnny T-Shirt, alumni-owned, operated on East Franklin Street, and also online to bring it right to your house. National guys will pay the bills. This is the day after Duke edition, um, another chaotic one in the rivalry. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back uh, about 30, what is it, 8.32 in the morning. Shout out to the 160-plus folks that are in here on a Sunday morning with us. Some great questions. Um, I've asked Jason to look at the questions and maybe break some plays down this week, the next couple weeks in the bye week. Um, but let's flip over to the offense. And, uh, Buck, you close that segment, so I'll go to Jason for the Drake May portion of the program. Let's go ahead and do that. I mean, May's got to figure out how not to fumble. And one of those fumbles um, was a weird, fluky play. But the bottom line is I'm not so sure that Duke didn't know it was coming on the last drive. They, they knew, here we go, Drake May's going to do his thing. Still a hell hell of an effort from the redshirt freshman. Yeah, I mean he at this point, what more can you say? I mean it's it's uh, <laughs> it's Drake May doing Drake May things, as you basically have uh, prohibited us from saying on the <laughs> on the game plan <laughs> podcast of like, what's the plan on offense? Well, uh, outside of Drake May, what's the plan? <laughs> outside of Drake May, Drew and Drake May things, what's the plan? Well, you know, it turns out that that's a pretty good plan, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, you're right though. That and and I've been on this train for you know, what almost six weeks now. That the thing he's really got to clean up is is ball security, uh, and those two fumbles were killer. Now the thing is, as much as I get on him about ball security and 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 being lackadaisical with the football and 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 all of that mechanically, really, both of those fumbles, you know, neither of those fumbles was really fully on him either. So, uh, you know, in the one case, you've got a an RPO where he's just trying to get it out a little quicker and the back came and knocked the ball out as he's coming by. I mean, the back's got it, got the pocket open for him to, to hand the ball off, which is what you teach the back to do. And he just came just a little tight. You know, may, I, I need to look at it again, but it, it may have been that that Drake's footwork was just a little bit too lackadaisical there and got him got him out of the spot where he where he would be expected to be but it shouldn't be shouldn't have been it didn't look like it to me uh so at that point maybe caleb is you know a quarter yard closer than what you expect there uh but you know he that's an rpo that's what you expect and he just he made a quicker decision he said you know i know where i'm going with this right away based on defensive look and he's already loading up to throw at that point, which you do all the time. I mean, this is routine stuff. And it just happened that it, you know, the one out of 
500 times that you know the 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 timing is just such that as he's loading up to throw the football he gets it gets a hit by his own guy and then then on the other you know he's loading up to throw and and it was a good call by the way to reverse that i mean i I was a little afraid of it as soon as as soon as i saw it live it was like uh uh-oh that that looked like it wasn't fully in his hand and i saw a couple replays like yeah that's definitely going to get reversed but again that's a situation where you got a guy that came free just in time and he has been at different points holding on to it just a little bit and trying to slide in the pocket to to maximize those plays and it just got hit at the wrong time in the throw so you know I've been critical there but neither of those is an example where you know it really had to do with him in terms of mechanics or being sloppy with the football so you just kind of shrug and say well keep working on it and keep you know trying to get the ball out a little quicker uh but otherwise i mean you look at the stat line and you look at what he did in this game you go yeah that guy's pretty good 27 to 38 for 377 three tu- three touchdowns no picks yeah you, you know you'll take that driving him down to throw that touchdown at the end all of those are good things Nevertheless, it's amazing. As good as that guy is, there's still a lot of room to to improve. There are a couple times where, I mean, I don't have the all 22 at this point, not yet, but a couple times I'm pretty sure there was someone he was missing where he, 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 he had a few cases where he went to, he loaded up to throw and then kind of pulled it down. And uh, I think he needed to let a couple of those loose and just didn't. And uh, you know, in a couple cases gave up some sacks that he shouldn't have as a result that you've got the one, I mean, nearly cost his team down on the, on the, on the goal line at the end there by trying to run it and running for a one yard gain and it cost him a down. So, you know, they had to spike the ball. If he throws it out of the back of the end zone there, then you don't have, then you still have three shots to the end zone and you got plenty of time but because they had to spike it, now you're down to two shots. Now, it didn't matter. He ended up making the, the next play. But you really, really don't want to end up in that spot. Uh, so certain things, again, little game management things, you know, recognizing when he's got to take a shot, when he needs to get the ball out in a couple cases, still can improve. But dang, for that guy to be as good as he is and still have a lot of room to improve, the ceiling's still there. Uh you know, he missed two throws that were, you know, just bad misses because of bad footwork. So, I mean, the the ability, the, the ceiling, the fact that he's as good as he is and still has that much room to improve is just crazy. Yeah, I thought he missed a couple of deep balls that if he leads them, they're touchdowns. But yeah, <laughs> you're talking about nitpicking. I mean, the guy's 28 for 38, 380, three touchdowns, and he runs for 70 yards. Buck, I, I mean, one one thing that, I love watching him play, right? But one th- he threw to nine different guys last night. We'll talk about Josh Downs having nine for 126, but nine different guys. And they threw out of the backfield. They threw some swings out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, uh, we see, we've watched a lot of Carolina football. We've probably been watching Carolina football longer than Jason Staples has been alive. I know that you have, and I have too. I, I hadn't seen anything like it. Somebody asked me walking out of the stadium. That's an interesting take. Said, does Carolina lose that game with Sam Howell at quarterback? I was like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to find out though. Drake May is that good for this team. Where you stand, Bucca? Well, yeah, I said in the article that I wrote uh, for today, the morning after article, that uh, anybody that did not lead with their analysis of this game with Drake May was burying the lead. Of the, of the story of the game. Um, for him to do what he's doing is just phenomenal. He is currently, I believe, tied with uh, Marquise Williams in 2015, Sam Howell in 2021 uh, for the most passing touchdowns in a single season. And he's played seven games. And we're not talking about scrubs he's passing here now. Um, that's, uh, let me look. Uh, he's in sixth place now, tied with Sam and Marquise 
and Marquise from 2015 when we talked about how all-world their offense was. Uh, he, he's going to easily, and maybe in the next couple of games, he'll be in third place all time. Or Well, yeah, <laughs> tied for third place for a single season. It's just incredible what he's doing, and I'm not – you know, we, I think it's a little too easy sometimes to focus on, well, you know, um, he, his footwork is not perfect. Uh, you know, he was a little, didn't see this receiver, that receiver, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I think it's a little too easy to do that. But when you look at the big picture of what he's doing, he's played seven ball games and he's tied for sixth all time, <laughs> single season passing touchdowns. Was was it was it you, Jason, that that said that took the uh, over on the thirty passing touchdown? I think most of us took the over on the thirty. I, but I'm I was not saying sure I did. I may not more. have, but uh, I mean, he's going to pass that probably. You know, two games, two games from now, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Two games, he'll have those thirty touchdowns. It's just completely amazing, and plus, correctly uh, brought up the fact that he can run the ball. And, and he's good at it. He runs the ball well. Um, he's uh, finally seems to have broke himself with a habit of trying to, you know, um, leapfrog people. But, you know, he, it's, it's, just, it's just amazing what we're seeing. And I'm not even sure we all appreciate this. And, and to a certain extent, we've been spoiled. Because uh, if you look at the single season records, uh, only the guy that's in uh, seventh place, Chris Keldorf, uh, played before the turn of the century. He played in 1996. All the rest of the single season records are like 2019, 2020, 2016, 2012, 2011, 2015, 2020. So, yeah, we're in a different era now where guys are throwing a lot of uh, touchdown passes. But... Drake May is just in a, in another stratosphere. And, and if you look at the ACC uh, in uh, QBR, and if I told you I knew exactly what these numbers meant, I'd be lying because they're pretty much <laughs> proprietary. Um, but his uh, Q, QBR number is 88.1. The next best quarterback in QBR in the ACC is Jordan Travis at 78.2. 10 points behind uh, Drake May. I, I, and I'm assuming the highest you could go is 100 here. So, um, but, and he's, you know, that much better than the next best quarterback in the ACC. And the ACC has the best slate of quarterbacks in the, in the country in terms of any conference. Yeah, so, on the whole. Yeah, it's just amazing um, how uh, how he's playing, and I'm not sure we fully appreciate what we're seeing on the field. Uh, and we're kind of used to it, and and we're a little spoiled by we just had three years of Sam Howell, who was no slacker, by the way. You know, he threw 38 touchdown passes his first year at quarterback in 2019, which is record is 38, um, which I'm. If I had to, to bet money, I would say uh, Drake is going to own that record before he's over with. He has to average 2.5 touchdown passes a week, and he'll break that record. Um, so I think that we could kind of look at, be on the lookout for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we really should. Uh, you know, and I know you, uh, you're talking about, well, we just can't talk about Drake May 24-7. Maybe we should. Because uh, I, I'm not sure, like the question you were asked, does North Carolina win that game with Sam Howell? I'm not sure the answer is yes. And there's a couple more uh, this year that I think North Carolina won that they may not have with Sam as good as he was. So we'll see. Yeah, it was uh, it's something. I mean, you know, I, I, I joke about the Drake May portion of the program. But it literally is every week. Um, we can debate whether Carolina needs to do something not to have to rely on that every week. Um, but the bottom line, he's come through 
um, six out of the seven times this season. Jason, let's look around the offense, and a lot of people are talking about Elijah Green. One of the comments I liked, and I apologize to whoever posted it because I can't find it right now, is it's good to have those fresh legs later in the season. I thought Elijah Green looked solid. And on the touchdown run, that was another one of those where where has that been moments. Um, maybe it's just to, to get the opportunity to do it. I thought Caleb Hood may have gotten banged up. I saw him running off at some point with his arm down like it was a shoulder. Don't know why, but bottom line is your take on Elijah Green's performance. I mean, this running back room's got some talent, and they spread it out a little bit yesterday. Muted. I get to say Jason is muted. <laughs> you know, that's not the first time this year uh, you've been muted. I think that's number two right there. So, I don't yeah. think I've been muted this year so far. Oh, I, I remember I'm not one. using my mute I, I, button. I think I'm one ahead of you. I, there was one. There <laughs> was in one. The Y'all in the race for the mute. Yeah, we're we're trying. We're professionals here. So, and the hourglass. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Elijah Green. Um, you know, interesting thing is when he got snaps earlier in the year, mostly against FAMU, he he actually probably was the most efficient, effective back in that game. You know, it, but it was late. You know, kind of got carries in garbage time and, and so on. So you don't know where to kind of put that. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now with how he ran in this game, I'm looking at him as my number two and certainly a guy that's in my rotation for the remainder of the football uh, remainder of football season. Because the, the, the way that he saw seams and got vertical right now and did that, and he, he, I think he's the fastest back on the team. I mean, Petaway might have something to say about that, but in a straight line, I think, you know, he probably, probably is, uh, is the fastest guy. That, that speed, that burst flashed and the ability to, you know, just stick the foot in the ground, get vertical and, and suddenly be in the secondary, something that they've, they've got to have a little bit of. And, you know, he can be a little bit of the lightning to the thunder of the other couple guys that they've been riding so far. So, yeah, I think he's earned some some more looks. He's got some time. So, yeah, that's uh, good for him. I mean, the thing is, a lot of guys who were in his shoes earlier this year, who, you know, when he was kind of out of the rotation, a lot of guys would, you know, potentially, you know, start looking with an eye to the portal at that point. And he just kept chopping wood and kept doing his job and found his way on the field and then earned more play with by, by answering the bell as soon as he got his hands on the football and also not just hands on the football, but other aspects of his assignments. Uh, he'll grade out well this game. And as soon as as soon as you get that, now he's going to have have some other opportunities. And it'll be interesting to see the second half of the season. I think they've found really the guys that are most prepared to to help at running back right now uh and they're the old heads they're guys that have been on campus just a little bit longer with caleb hood and elijah green those are those have been the most effective backs on the field so far this year and i think in those last five games i think those guys have to be getting a, a little bit more of the bulk of the carries yeah, somebody pointed out in chat, so I went and found it. Mac did talk about Green broke his thumb earlier in the year, so that's kept him off the field. Look, he's taking advantage of whatever opportunities he gets. It's pretty cool. His family was on the same row of us. That was a happy bunch watching him make plays. And I agree. I mean, he just looked different out there. There was no hesitation, certainly no dancing. Um, you know, makes the play to score the touchdown. But we could talk about Josh Downs every game. But let's talk – I'm. <laughs> You know, this guy is just – there was there was a pass, and this is the cool thing about the corner angle. We were in section one, and you could see the, the way the play is open. Josh Downs comes down. he he He's running an out route, and Drake throws it behind him. And I'm like, that's a pick because the cornerback's right there. And Josh stops and reaches back across his body and makes the catch. I mean – we can talk about how good Drake May is, and he's elite. But Josh Downs, Buck, let, let's have a Josh Downs portion of the program. Nine catches, 126, uh, 14 yards a catch. Every time he touches the ball, it's a walking first down. Uh, your take there before we get close to wrapping this one up. 
Josh Downs is one of those guys like, I mean, I'm not comparing the two, obviously, but uh, Michael Jordan in the sense that he seems to be able to change the direction his body is moving after he leaves his feet. And and how you do that, I, I don't have any idea. Um, not anything we could do. Not anything. Well, <laughs> I couldn't have done that. Uh, maybe under the influence of, uh, you know, but that was a long time ago. Uh, the, the It's incredible. And yes, we should uh, cram a lot of sugar down Josh Downs' throat as well. But I'm going to diverge here a little bit. Y'all can get back to Downs if you want to. But uh, we're talking about the nine receivers that that May threw the ball to. Two of them had over 100 yards, both him and Green. Uh, he had 126. Uh, Green had, what, 104, something like that. Uh, over 100 yards on four catches. And then they pulled, believe it or not, uh, Kobe Pursor, I mean, uh, Josh Downs out of the game and put Pursor in. He had a couple of catches. Uh, they pulled uh, probably Green out of the game, I think, and Jones had a few catches. And they hit both tight ends. Kamari Morales now has four touchdown receptions. He's one away from tying his record for the most touchdown catches by a tight end. And May has thrown seven passes, touchdown passes to tight ends this year in seven games. Then you've got the involvement of the running backs. Hood had five catches including a touchdown catch and Elijah green, who we, we always heard that uh, his, what was holding him back a little bit was his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He had a catch for eight yards. So may back to may again, uh, involved all the wide receivers that were on the field and including the reserves coming in for downs and, and green plus got the tight ends involved, including a touchdown pass plus got the running backs involved, including a touchdown pass. He, he involved every offensive room on the field. Uh, and just a remarkable, uh, and it's remarkable how well North Carolina has brought all of that together. Um, I think Galloway's done a good job with the receivers this year. Haven't seen a lot of drops. That problem, whatever that problem was back in the day, they they seem to have gotten corrected. Um, so, yeah, I, and Downs is great player, maybe the best wide receiver that's ever walked on an, uh, a field in a UNC uniform. But unlike last year, it's not Josh Downs or bust play to play may has other places he could go with the football and he doesn't hesitate to do it, which is a big change from uh, what Sam Howe faced last year. Jason, you talked about um, when he was out that how downs affects the game, not just with his numbers. Um, I think we're seeing that now granted may slings it around to multiple guys, but how much of that the other guys getting touches and all and being open is a result of of Josh Downs out there? And, and I must rem- Josh Downs's catch where that ball was thrown into the first row of the stands and he somehow got his left foot down while while um, in the lap of the coaching staff. Great, another great catch. But how much is, of Downs' effect doesn't show up in the box score? It, it's it, I've I've said this before. It's like it's like uh, Steph Curry, with the gravity that he has. That you know you're gonna you're gonna make sure that that the defense knows where he is, and you know that there's not a single. You, you don't want him to be in in a whole lot of single coverage, and that's really the thing is that you can notice where the where the safeties are playing, uh, and 
note that no, oh, you know they they know where he is. That guy that guy's got his eyes just a little bit more to, to over in that spot. Uh, so that's a factor for sure. But you know the other thing though that that I think we ought to ought to mention is there's another guy that's causing some gravity as well, and that's Antoine Green. I mean, the thing is, you can't actually, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, Clay Thompson out there now. You got Steph doing his thing, and the defense wants to have all its gravity towards Steph, but then all of a sudden Clay Thompson's out there and gets hot, and now you can't slide that safety over as much. And, you know, Antoine Green's been making big plays down the field, and, you know, the, the things that Deami Brown did two years ago is the stuff that, that Antoine Green's doing now, where he's just running by guys and making consistent catches down the field. Uh, so now that, that basically means that defenses can't focus as much on downs as they'd like. And that's part of why you can get to uh, stat lines for Josh Downs again, where you got nine catches on 11 targets. Because they're, they're, they're focused on him. They're, they don't want you to, to be able to, to get to him, but they can't bracket him as much as they, as they used to. So the, what you're having now is you're having some, some shared gravity between some of, these, some of these receivers who stepped up and done it. And the thing is, I mean, they've got guys that are not playing as much that are pretty good. I mean, Kobe Pesor, two targets, two catches, didn't play all that many snaps. I, I, I'm going to look at the snap count here. I mean, Pesor played 20 snaps. Look, we saw what he's capable of earlier in the year. We saw what Gavin Blackwell's capable of earlier in the year. But Green and Downs have been so good that you don't want to take them off the field. So, you know, and, and anybody that's saying those other guys should go out there and get more snaps, well, which one of those guys are you taking off the field right now? Exactly. Um, yeah, those those guys have made life a whole lot easier for a first year starting quarterback because they're consistently open. And I, I haven't looked at the drop numbers, but I think Green has dropped one ball, maybe two on the year, and and Josh Downs maybe one. So I mean, you're talking about a lot of consistency from those guys as well. So big plays, consistency, and finding ways to get open. It's been it's been pretty good for the Carolina receiving core on the year. Yeah. The the point about you want other guys to get more snaps. Who do you take off the field? I, I mean, if unless they're gonna run, you know, nine wide and have Corey Gaynor snap it to Drake and have all those guys out there, it's it's a good problem to have. Which is which is one of the reasons, and I'm gonna let you guys close it with closing thoughts. But one of the reasons that's so frustrating watching the defense, right? Because it is very similar talent levels on both sides of the ball and one unit is um, verging on elite and the other unit um, puts up one like they did against Duke, but close the show. Um, and folks listening to this, there'll be plenty of content. It is a bye week So we won't have on the beat live. Uh, probably won't have the game plan uh, podcast, but there'll be a ton more content. Some Jason Staples breakdowns, and of course, Buck's great columns, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, but Buck, your overall thoughts on this it's duke carolina so you knew it was going to be crazy anybody why the heck i picked it to be a blowout i i guess i'll never learn but uh close it for us buck six and one that's it we're gonna end it that way six and one bowl eligible six and one bowl eligible on october 16th north carolina six and one beats duke 38-35, just some unbelievable sports yesterday. I'll, th I'll throw this in there. You know, uh, there are people that, and, you know, that's certainly their right and in keeping with their general character that just tend to be critical, negative people, which is fine. You know, there's uh, takes more than uh, one kind of person to make the world go around. So, that's fine, but when when you are watching a team like North Carolina and they're say instead of six and one, they're three and three or two and four, and you you, you talk about maybe things that you've seen that leads you to believe well they're going to get better, blah blah blah, and and they'll you know pound their uh, shoe on the desk and say, 
well, you are what your record says you are. You are what your record says you are. Well, what their record is, is six and one right now. So you are who your record says you are. Enjoy the ride. It's a heck of one. Uh, like I said, that game was uh, ridiculous. And yesterday in sports in general, just some ridiculous football, ridiculous baseball games. Great time to be a sports fan. Good time to be a North Carolina fan. Team six and one um, with multiple flaws that can be corrected, maybe. And to Jason's point about Drake May, he's so good and has so he can be so much better. It's got to be a fun time to watch. I haven't week, even had to use this today. I know, really. I'm, and we're getting out of here right at an hour, too. Jason, here's what I want to see. I want to see uh, about three or four breakdowns this week and lay it all out for Carolina, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and we will catch up with you guys again, I guess, I don't know, a couple weeks before Pittsburgh. It's been fun, boys. Later, guys. Later.